just get it all on tape exactly <laughs> exactly it's hard when we get people who are such uber fans of star trek adventures and now captain's log together in one room because we have to wait for everyone to drift in just so everyone knows we do this on zoom so people have to come in but somebody will start talking about something and then we start going we lose all this great material for the show i didn't let it happen right. tonight me and jim put a stop on it because we have some awesome guests tonight which we will be uh, uh introducing in a moment for those of you who are coming in into our continuing conversation. I'm Michael Dismuke. I'm a blogger on Continuing Missions, which is the number one fan site for Star Trek Adventures RPG and now Captain's Log. I'm also a freelance writer for Star Trek Adventures and uh, fortunate enough to be the lead writer on Captain's Log, which is the newest craze coming out of the Modifius bags. Um, and of course, I have with me always the amazing, the adventurous, in fact, I'm going to do this MSH style, the excellent, remarkable, incredible, amazing, monstrously unearthly Jim Johnson. Were you trying to spell something with that? You don't know what that was? E-R-I-A-M-U. I don't know what that is. Oh my goodness. Okay, hold on. Now I got to stop. Okay, if I introduce you, I'll start typical. The typical, good, excellent, remarkable, incredible, amazing, monstrous, unearthly. Don't make me say class 1000. You don't know what that is? Oh, you didn't go into shift X or uh, um, anything like that. I know what you're talking about now. But, okay. Uh, um, yeah, okay. Um, what are we doing? Oh, hey, everybody. I'm Jim Johnson. I'm the project manager and line editor for the Star Trek Adventures RPG and the Captain's Log solo RPG, both published by Modifius Entertainment, low these many years. I am co-host on this here show with Michael Dispute, going on 90-something episodes strong, almost two years. Looking forward to getting the two-year anniversary done and then more to come after that. I think we've still got lots of new products coming out and lots of new stuff to talk about and lots of awesome new people to talk about, just like everybody here. Um, I think some of you are new to the show, right? Yep. I mean, we've listened so, to the show, but yeah. No, Technically, I mean, yeah. Two, two, are, uh, two have been on as guest stars before, two are yep. new. Joe, Joe uh, and Lee have been on, right? And, and Glenn and Josh, this is your first time? Yeah, exactly. Right. My first time on the show. Right. Happy to be right. here. So, I'm glad that my hat's the same size, same size as yours, Jim. Though that's a you know, I've got the Starfleet alumni hat on. What do you got on? Uh, I, I have. A, I'm I'm repping the show tonight. I've got the tabletop journeys hat going on. Oh, sweet. So Very good. Yeah. Very good. Very nice. <laughs> All right. Cool. So I'll go uh, around my screen and introduce everybody. Yep. I got my red 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 alert. Red alert. Red alert. <laughs> All right, we got, we're all showing off our swag. We're all good. <laughs> I have, um, it's always so, Barovia. It's there you go. Sorry. Nice. So we'll I'll just uh, have everybody introduce themselves. And then special bonus for Glenn and for Josh. Uh, tradition on this here show is uh, when you introduce yourself as part of your introduction, make sure you tell the world who your favorite Star Trek captain is and your favorite Star Trek series. You can expound upon them or you can just, you know, go with the basic answer, but whatever we, we like, we like expounding on things here. So uh, by all means, give us the more detail, the better. So let's start with uh, the person on my uh, right. Let's go with Joe. Hey, thank you, Jim. Uh, my name is Joe Harney. I am a longtime super fan. I was uh, gracious enough to come on and talk about remote uh, online tabletop versus in person. And that discussion with uh, with Michael and Jim, and I have been fortunate enough to be able to join the Tabletop Journeys Patreon and uh, play as a uh, active player in their uh, uh, 
to listen to play a game. Um, I will have to revise my answer from last time. Uh, my new favorite captain is Captain Pike. Mm. Whoa. <laughs> As of last week, he has sailed uh, through space and time to uh, wrench away the, the top number one title. Mm. And, uh, uh, but I am still going to say Lower Decks is my favorite. Oh, very nice. At this point, it's so nice. it pays so much homage to all everything that's come to before in such a great and humorous way. Very cool. Well, welcome back. Uh, that, that was a great episode we did a while back about uh, remote uh, remote gaming. I really appreciate it. I, I, I rewatched that one a couple of times just, just to refresh my memory on it. So good stuff. Uh, Josh, why don't you introduce yourself? Sure. Yeah. So my name is Josh Newton. I'm one of the hosts of Tabletop Journeys. Uh, super happy to be here, Michael. We had you on our show. Uh, seems like not that long ago, but it was almost six months ago. It's crazy to think. So much fun. So long ago, but it's, it's such a blast having you on. And uh, I know I'm just uh, absolutely chuffed to go ahead and be here today. Uh, my answer is super simple. I grew up on Next Generation, uh, and it is still I, that is a show that I can rewatch and rewatch and rewatch every single time, like uh, every once in a while. Like I, I was watching The Inner Light uh, just today while I was working, uh, just so many brilliant episodes. Um, and Captain Picard is absolutely uh, uh the pinnacle of uh, of captains for me, so mm. always has been good choice. Good choice. And, it's the uh, easy choice, though. I mean, really. I mean, it's like uh, for and, people of a generation, like that's yeah. It, it's hard though, right? Because now we've got eleven series and thirteen movies. It's it's not as easy as it used to be. Like for a while there, it was original series and next gen, and that was it. Yeah. And now it's just expanded even more. So yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I respect that you're saying it's an easy choice, but I'm I'm not so yeah. sure anymore. I mean, look, Disco Discovery season one was really, really, really great. Mm -hmm. Really, really, really great. But as a series as a whole, gotta be next gen. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Glenn, why don't you introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Glenn Myers, uh, the other third of the Tabletop Journeys podcast, one of the hosts. Um, and it was great talking to you, Mike, the last time we were on. Definitely, Josh was not wrong there. And it's great to meet you, Jim, though this is the first time you and I have crossed paths. Very cool. Um, I am super excited to be here, though. The Star Trek extravaganza that is launched through our Tabletop Journeys play space um, actually started well, I was still hip deep, eyeball deep, actually, in our last project. So Lee Wanika and Josh spearheaded it, and I've been kind of playing catch up ever since. But that works perfectly for my Star Trek experience as well, because I was a huge Star Trek fan when I was younger. I watched the original series. I've watched uh, Next Generation. I tried DS9, and this is this is all actually feeding into my favorite series answer in the end, I promise. Um, I tried DS9, but back then I'm old. This was before DVR and stuff. So if you missed a few episodes, you were you were, you know, just out of luck. And Deep Space Nine didn't really take off until the Dominion War and just before the Dominion War. And I gave up before then. I kind of quit somewhere in season two. Um but I'm rewatching it now because our actual play takes place just after the Dominion War and really enjoying Deep Space Nine. I'm not ready to call it my favorite series yet, but ask me again in six months and I might have a different answer because on top of that, oh, I love Voyager as well. And that's going to be my favorite series at this point, by the way. I grew up on Next Generation just like Josh did, and it was a hard sell for Voyager to win out over uh, <laughs> Next Generation as it went on. And it wasn't until those last couple of seasons, because that's where that one really started to take off. But right down to the series conclusion, some of the strongest Star Trek I'd seen. And I just, I loved the drama of the way that the series ended. And I know there's no spoilers at this point. That show's been out forever. Um, 
but that, that one is my favorite series. So Deep Space Nine is growing. And I'm watching Picard, which I'm really enjoying. And that's kind of bringing Captain Picard back up there, especially now that he's being humbled a little bit. Because, I mean, younger Picard was arrogant, rightfully so. But older Picard, as he's learning some wisdom and people keep shutting him down, like, listen, you arrogant ass. It's, <laughs> it's fantastic to watch. And the next is Discovery and Strange New Worlds. Because since we were going great guns with Star Trek, I've had to break down and get Paramount so that I can watch them all. <laughs> and who's your favorite captain then? Captain would would be Janeway as well. I don't think she gets enough credit. Uh, she was straight up badass to carry that crew back from the Delta Quadrant for that length of time and to hold it together and to make calls outside of the box, like making a Maquis, who in theory was the enemy, the first officer, which was brilliant in terms of merging the crew. But overall, I... I, I I think that Janeway kicks some serious butt. Yeah, I, I'm reading her autobiography right now. I, I forget the <laughs> author who wrote it, Uma Uva, someone, but I'm reading the autobiography right now, and it's Uma worth. Uma McCormick, it, I think. Yeah, Doctor, yeah. Excuse me, Doctor Uma McCormick. Right. It's it's worth the read if you haven't read it yet. I'm gonna read Cisco after because I know Derek Tyler Edico, who's one of our writers for Star Trek Adventures, he wrote it, so that's next on my list. But I'm definitely enjoying the Janeway one. Cool. Yeah, it's on, it's on my it's on my Kindle. I just haven't gotten to it yet, so I'll be eager to hear your uh, review of it, Michael, when you're done. Cool. Well, Voyager you, is such a great choice. Sorry, if I can just we we tangent. It's what we do. Uh, Voyager is such a great choice because I still remember the first time watching Voyager when the nacelles before it goes into warp when they flip up slowly like that. Like mm -hmm. I remember being, you know, like a what like a sophomore in high school or whatever. Like, oh my god, what was that? Yeah, so yeah. I remember being hooked on the even just the the, the opening theme music and the, the the visuals of that opening uh, that opening title sequence with with that, that, that one shot of the Voyager going through like the the spatial cloud and the cloud ripples just the coming Badlands off, off the Badlands yeah so cool. yeah yep really nice stuff all right Lee uh, bring us home with the uh, introductions here yeah so I'm Lee Wanika I am the, the uh, I guess the middle two, the middle third of Tabletop Journeys. Um, as any who've seen me on this show or heard me talking or espousing uh, for the last year plus, I am obviously like an insane Star Trek fan. Absolutely love the franchise, the IP, and all its iterations. Like, give me more, give me more, give me more. Um, I don't have any swag on today, but I did break out my Command Red. Uh, so I could at least be somewhat thematic today. That was my goal, um, to at least cover something. And, uh, but I am here as part of tabletop journeys, talking with, uh, some of my favorite people in the world, uh, about track and about Star Trek adventures. And I'm hoping we get a, a fair amount of time about captain's log, because while I've had it since, I think five or six hours after it went live to purchase the uh, the digital copy, uh, I uh, or purchased the copy and and started with the digital. Um, I had not got an opportunity to really break it out until just tonight. Finished mm -hmm. work, had some time before the show. Figured I'm gonna knock out a character real quick, just be ready to really start playing the game tomorrow or something like that. Uh, I have not knocked out that character yet because the book is so stinking good and filled <laughs> with so many great narrative questions to help you build the story i'm still on the ship <laughs> i'm still working on the ship just i i don't want to give too many spoilers for this book because i want 
everybody, not some people, not just fans of Star Trek. I want every human being, all nine billion of us to get this book. That's how much <laughs> I love this book. And I got to tell you, just the table about idiosyncrasies was amazing. And I came up with a really good one for the ship I'm I'm working on. Uh, I've talked with Joe. He's one of the players in our game. Uh, uh, yesterday, while we were doing some character and prep stuff for the, our first session, which we're going to play next weekend, uh, and uh, of the new Star Trek game that we're doing, Star Trek Expeditions. Right, and that's our new set cast. Yeah, that's, as opposed that's, to just our general Patreon rotating. Yeah, yeah, yeah we're going to want to talk oh. about all this. So what we're going to yeah. do, well, I want to make sure that we round <laughs> yeah. this all up. I want you all to know that who we've invited today, Joe, Lewanika, Glenn, and Josh are also part of the Star Trek Perseverance. That, that's they, they do tabletop journeys, but I believe that you call it Star Trek Perseverance, where you first jump into Star Trek Adventures, right? Preservation. Star Trek preservation. Preservation. Yes. Thank you. Preservation. Okay. So, so I want to be clear about that is that they play, these gentlemen play a lot of games and I, <laughs> I listen to their show to get educated about more yeah. than just Star Trek adventures, uh, gaming, uh, a lot of, uh, they have some amazing guests on. Um, but recently one of the reasons we wanted to have them on the show is that they took off and started Star Trek adventures. Um, and we really wanted to hear, I mean, I guess we've invited you to review the game to talk about the high Highlights, which a little bit yeah. about your story um, that you've built. We we love having people on to show the variety of stories that can come out of Star Trek Adventures and now Captain's Log. Um, so that's really something why we invited them on the show for those who who are wondering. It's not just to gush about our favorite Star Trek uh, characters, <laughs> but it's really to show the versatility of this game. So I don't know who's who's best to ask to start about the history of bringing Star Trek Adventures into the tabletop journeys group. Lewanika. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll, he, he definitely I'll, spearheaded it we're all yeah. on board but he yeah. was the he yeah. was the spearhead I'll, I'll i'll wear that hat so um the briefest recap for anything i've said on this show previously is i've always been a fan and like like in utero my mom took me to watch star trek uh while it was in reruns uh and i've watched it my entire life as long as i've known i've always been in and around and inundated with Star Trek. Uh, I played FASA in the 80s. I played Last Unicorn Games in the uh, late 90s, early aughts. Uh, I played a little Decipher, not very much, but mostly because I was really hanging tight to Last Unicorn Games. And I was very nervous about Star Trek Adventures when I first saw it. And then I caught a little bit on Facebook. I saw one of your shows. I don't know why I tuned into it other than I love Star Trek. And I'm like, okay, they know what they're talking about. I'm talking to people who love, love this IP and started looking into the game. I commented on the Star Trek Adventures Facebook site. Uh, Michael, you reached out to me at some point. We started a conversation and a friendship at that point. And that's when it was all written in stone. Like it was literally etched and transparent aluminum, aluminum with dilithium crystals. We that's when I'm like, we are running this game for tabletop journeys. I am going to be running this game. I know the story I want to tell, and that's how we really got started. Was okay. This is the game I want. Started. I got a, a humble bundle uh, last summer, and I started going to my local game store, Citadel Games. Started slowly buying 
hardcover book one at a time. Uh, basically, uh, I perused the, the the humble bundles. I'm like, these are really nice. I really want to see this in person and have it in my hands. And started picking up the the books to follow. Uh, I actually have a, a a checklist of which books I'm going to physically get in order. I buy one a month to catch up. Uh, I'm telling. We you, love ever- people with a really good plan. <laughs> I'm all about the plan. Uh, And uh, I got to tell you, the release schedule this year has made me change a plan. And I don't do that often, but I have absolutely changed the plan because I'm all on lower decks as soon as it's ready to go. Uh, You know, so I that's kind of what I did. And it was like, okay, so let's learn this game. And at that point, I just turned the Internet and the power of the Internet loose. I watched a bunch of actual plays. I went to a bunch of learn to plays. I asked questions in nearly every uh, forum I could find. I even braved that the mystical treacherous depths of Reddit to try to get, uh, to get answers. Uh, and I'm happy to say that had I just stuck with Star Trek adventures and continuing missions, I really wouldn't have had to go all those other places because most of those other places are basically repeating stuff that's within the great history on continuing uh, missions or locked in within this show, continuing conversations. It's just a matter of, finding the right episodes. And a lot of what I do on our show is direct people to the resources that you guys have already put out there for them. And, and I keep saying this and I've said it so many times. I had a conversation with one of my dear friends and players uh, Saturday uh, this past Saturday, that it is so absolutely rewarding and amazingly unusual to have a, to have key contributors in a game company interact with the fans and the players of their games in the way that you two and so many others at Modiphius do. It is really a seed change in the industry and everybody should take notice. Every company out there should take notice. Hmm. Lee, that's fascinating. I think uh, I've talked about this at length on other episodes, and I I have lived in such a Star Trek Adventures bubble for the last seven years that I have very little insight into what the rest of the industry is doing or not doing in terms of uh, social media and outreach and fan service and all that stuff. And so like every time somebody says to me, oh, it's so amazing that you're engaging with the fans on social media and Discord and you're doing these videos and stuff. I'm like, really? It just seems like such a low hanging, easy fruit to take advantage of and interact with the fans that are like, I mean, I mean, not to say that you're paying my paycheck, but uh, I mean, you're, 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 (laughs) there's a reason that we make this stuff. Right. And uh, unfortunately it's not just for the sake of doing it, but I mean, that's, that's, I I love Star Trek. So I'd be doing this. I don't know if I do it for free, but pretty darn close. Right. (laughs) But it's just fascinating to me to hear you say that, 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 that there aren't that many other companies doing this because it seems like a, again, like a, like a no brainer that we should be doing this. And um, um, it makes me wonder, like, aren't other people in other game companies like super hyper passionate about the, about what they're working on. And I, I just don't know. I, I think there are. I, I am confident that there are folks in other major companies. So mm. Clearly on the indie, uh, on the independent creator uh, front, there absolutely are. Uh, on the In the larger companies, I am confident they are. Uh, I don't know whether it's the corporate reins that keep them from doing it the way they would like to do it. 
mm-hmm. or what the reasons are. I've never, I haven't figured that out, but I liken it to some conversations I've had at my nine to five job, which is, you know, I conduct myself in a specific way. And whenever somebody says, you know, that was so amazing that you were so kind to that person under that cir- circumstance, I'm like, why is it amazing that I just did an, a, a, something a decent person would do? That should never be amazing. Right. It's a weird world when the things I was raised to do are considered amazing. Yeah. Um, and so I, I absolutely, uh, it's, even though I'm saying it to you, I understand why you're saying what you're saying to me. And I, yeah. and, and I catch that. I just always say to everybody else that they have to really uh, watch this show, be a part of these forums and, and, and to, to really understand what I'm talking about, about if you have a question, it'll be answered. Uh, you know, you said a couple weeks back that one of the, the rewarding things was, uh, and, and you said it many times, actually, Jim, uh, one of the rewarding things is when somebody new comes to the Star Trek adventures forum, they ask a question. Sometimes before you even get a chance to get an answer, there are 15 to 20 different responses. Mm-hmm. Uh, for, there are so many top contributors I've never seen a forum group with that many top contributors, yeah. like because there are so many people that are so willing to help and help people learn and enjoy this game. Not speaking even just- speaking of contributors, Josh, what did you want to say? <laughs> I mean, I, like I said, Mike, I know enough by this point not to try to get in front of the locomotive out of control <laughs> that is my friend and co-host Lou Aniga. But what I was going to say is, Jim, you're you're absolutely right in that other creators are interested in in talking about their stuff. It's about taking a form. And that's one of the things that I love that we're able to go ahead and do on the show is we bring in a lot of indie content creators. And I, you know, it's getting to the point at this point, I mean, we've been doing this for like two and a half years, right? That I can tell you pretty much how how the trajectory of a show is going to go, right? Like we bring them on, it takes 10 or 15 minutes to go ahead and get them warmed up. And then, you know, and like around the point that we're like, okay, are we, are we going to be able to fill an hour here? Cause this, you know, we're kind of having to prod a little bit, having to pull some information out, you know, and then after that, that initial 20 minutes is done, it, boom, it's off to the races. And then all of a sudden, you know, an hour and a half has gone by and we are like, okay, now we actually need you to stop talking because we got to go ahead and uh, uh, be able to produce an episode out of this. So, you know, it, it's, it's awesome that you are so much at the forefront. Uh, and I guess the one thing I would say is that other indie content creators get out there and talk about your stuff. There are people out there that want to listen and people out there that want to talk to you about this. Like one of the best things about this podcast is I our ability to talk to awesome people that are doing awesome things. We want to talk to more of you. <laughs> so, yeah. Absolutely. I want to learn a little bit about preservation. Maybe we could have Joe and Glenn talk to us. What's preservation about Star Trek preservation? What's the premise? So, oh, captain, my captain, if you'd like to talk <laughs> about your crew, um, I play, I play Lieutenant Najar on, on, Star Trek Preservations, uh, but Joe plays Captain Tobor, yes. uh, who's Commander Tobor, but also Captain. But hey, um, it's a naval tradition thing. Yeah. So, in terms of the overall mission of the Dalamas Christian and our purpose in the sector, go for it, Captain. Yeah. So uh, we, Josh and Lee Wanika, have structured a really interesting setting where we are on the edge of Federation space, uh, support in a supporting role for the newly constructed. Asselin Space Station, and we're kind of the attached uh, supporting vessel that is uh, in there in kind of southwestern uh, geographic uh, over by the 
Tellarites. No. No. Tellarians. Tellarians. Which we saw from that one great uh, TNG episode. So we're kind of on the frontier, exploring and assisting uh, and getting into adventures and hijinks in this uh, post-Dominion War era, era where the Federation is really kind of at this reflecting point of uh, the, it has gone through this war, this, uh, you know, horrific event, and what kind of organization is it going to be? And so as the, the name of the, uh, the show entails, uh, it's about preserving and uh, protecting the ideals of the Federation and really showing the rest of the galaxy who Starfleet is, who the Federation is, and uh, and getting back to the traditional mission values that are, uh, you know, kind of early next gen uh, type of a, a, a thing, because um, and really fighting for the 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 soul of what the Federation would mean to the characters involved. Right now, before playing this game, Joe, you before playing Preservation, you been involved in star trek adventures before i know right so you played yeah. before glenn and josh this was your first time playing the mo- the the mechanics so i'm always curious to Correct, see what your yeah. take what your take was on it and then also lee because it's your first time game mastering it but glenn and josh what, what do you think about the mechanics coming in so as from a player perspective uh because i have not run a game yet uh i'm strictly bringing that piece in and i'm playing going to be playing in the regular cast actual play and enjoying my co-host story which is fantastic <laughs> um though you know they, they're they're weaving together a really interesting plot line on that end but the mechanics of star trek adventures are and i mean the only way that i can put it is just straight up fantastic um i 100 percent love the cinemagraphic scene by scene episodic storytelling style that it's designed to to run like an episode of Star Trek with just end scenes and then move forwards as opposed to trying to work out all of the tiny minutiae. That's like a godsend in terms of taking some of the uh, the extra crunch and pain off of an RPG. Within the, the, the stats that you have being just your Starfleet training and your natural aptitudes and the way that they combine with the 2D system, um, I don't, when I first heard 2D20, system i was like how are you going to work with 2d20 that just sounds weird all it took was the first time i played though to understand the number of successes and the dice pool and then having the threat and momentum mechanics i mean i could i could go on for an episode about how much <laughs> i like threat and momentum just those two by themselves in terms of what those meta currencies add to the game and the drama and the potential i mean just the fact that i can buy dice with threat i do it all the time people look at me like what are you doing i'm like i love it I love it. <laughs> that just gives an opportunity for the DM to come up with something fun later. Totally. Um, yeah. Don't get me wrong. I'll use momentum first. I'm no fool. But yeah. <laughs> um, and the way, but the way that right down to how it ties into your focuses in terms of your critical range, I. I mean, I don't know how much detail you want me to get into here, but man, no, I I like they, to. They're smooth, I, yeah, and they just make sense, and and they they run mm-hmm. so easy. And the fact that every challenge, unless you're alone in a scene, is so collaborative. So many people can get in on on the assist between somebody rolling for the ship, somebody rolling just to help. Um, it's just fantastic. Sorry, Josh, your take. No, and yeah, I no. like to, I, the reason I like hearing it is because me and Jim say all the time, we we sometimes forget that new people are coming into the game because we've been in it. Of course, Jim's been in it way longer than I have. 
so it's nice if someone's is if this is the first episode they're listening to that they hear this kind of stuff. That's why I like asking yeah. the questions. Oh, yeah. no worries. I mean, and from, so from the storyteller point of view, so I have yet to actually play a Star Trek Adventures game. I jumped right into the storyteller's chair to go ahead and and run it when we started running the actual play. Um, and I absolutely have to echo what Glenn said from a storyteller point of view. I tend to run really narrative games and I also tend to run really collaborative games. I want my players not just, you know, it's not me against the players. It's not me on one side of the screen and everybody else on the other side. We're all at the table. We're all building a game. We're building a story together. And it is rare that you can find a system that mechanically supports that effort so well. You know, um, if it's to go, to go ahead and talk about another system that kind of reminds me of a little bit. We played a couple of years ago. We did a um, uh, uh, for October. We did a playthrough of the Free League uh, uh, Aliens game, which had that kind of stress mechanic, right? Where uh, uh, players, as they were going through, to go ahead and force a roll or to increase efficiency on a roll, they could add stress and then they could get more dice. But adding stress into your pool eventually gets complications, right? Um, and it worked, but it was it was missing a certain something. It it was it it was missing a certain je ne sais quoi, right? Nowhere um, here is elegant. Yeah, you know, but the play between threat and momentum, the way that those two mechanics play with each other, uh, is this really interesting dance that you can do as you're running through a game, and you can kind of steer the narrative. Because I mean, for me, from behind the screen, threat and momentum is are not just like the mechanical pips that people can go ahead and pull from. It's also a representation of kind of the air of how the game is going. If they're building up a lot of momentum, it's because they're having a lot of success. And if they're having a lot of success, I, I think of Tanari, who is uh, the ship's engineer. And the number of times that he pulls daring engineering roles out and succeeds on them, like, like I never would have thought that this character, he, he's an Andorian. I never would have thought of daring and engineering from that Andorian. And yet he continues to work it. So he continues to go ahead and hit it because he's always so successful with it. It is shaping the trajectory for this character because he keeps doing weird, daring engineering things. Right. Much to the so, chagrin of the captain. Of the <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 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 You know, I, I like, will, I will say running uh Tanari in the opening episode, our pilot episode, which was basically, uh the uh the opening um mission brief from the starter box set because that's where i wanted to start i figured i had all new players i was a brand new gm to the system there's no better place to start than this box set and i still remember when we had uh spoiler alert for the box set mission um we had at some scene in some part in the adventure, three Romulans in the corridor that surprised the, the crew and uh, things were not going well for the crew. There were some really poor roles. And then Tanari just pulls out his Andorian ice pick and goes ham on the Romulans. <laughs> and, and, Every, like I'm, we played this game on uh, on a Zoom call type meeting thing. We use Zencaster on our show, and uh, I I remember the look on everybody's faces. We're like, he did what? <laughs> like this is the engineer, not the security people who were there, not anybody else. It was no. the engineer did what? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and he went ham. Like it was it was amazing. It was yeah. so much fun. And uh, there and he's are such a conspiracy theorist too. Yeah. And, <laughs> but what I have also found is whether it's in a conflict situation, whether it's uh, 
going to town in a uh, negotiation or role play type of situation or how to fix something. Nearly every session I've run, and I've run a lot since that adventure was run for the first time back in February or March, I think that first one was run. Uh, and, and even up to and including the adventure I ran two days ago at a convention, local convention here, um, there is always a moment where one or more players will just go off. They spend the right amount of momentum or they risk enough threat. Uh, they use the right combination of ideas, talents, what have you, perhaps a value uh, and determination, sometimes all of the above. And they just leave me awestruck with that was cool. You know, the, and there's always a moment like that every single session. I've been GMing various game systems since 1984. I've been playing this game, tabletop game since 1983. I got a lot of, a lot of rings around the tree trunk at this point in tabletop games. And I don't yet have a system that has had that level of amazement every single session. You know, just to back that up, Lee Winika, because I played in that, convention game this past weekend um, i didn't have time to put together a table this year so i signed up for lee Winico's star trek adventures table at drinking and dragons it's a local uh new london gaming creation and it's it's a whole lot of fun um but sitting down and playing with strangers who have well not complete strangers because i didn't know two two other people at the table but um sitting down and playing with strangers as opposed to our usual cast and stepping into the game which was kind of neat jokes i kind of felt like you because i knew enough of the rules to help the wanika because it was a big group um which was kind of neat for, to sit in that in that perspective and be the other rules guru even though i don't know the rules anywhere near as well as you do uh at this point but watching four people who had never played together before who just learned the game start getting into a collaborative effectively skill challenge trying to pirate parts of a wrecked shuttle to fix our shuttle which is also wrecked um, before we devolve into strange grunting cave people um it was it was incredible and they were all having an amazing time the game was easy enough to pick up with you know instruction that everybody was having a good time and it played i won't you, you can't say seamlessly it was everybody's first game but for a first game it played pretty seamlessly it was fantastic it was a first game we ran the uh, mission from the core rule books uh rescue uh, at xerxes for people yeah, who are wondering xerxes, xerxes four um and a big shout out to the folks at uh at uh star trek adventures uh the Facebook uh, community that I've been a part of for this past year or so uh, to include yourself and Jim, who came up with a number of great suggestions. Cause I was like, you know, what, what should I run? What's really going to fit into a, a four hour window? Um, because I'm a, as you can all tell, I'm a long winded guy. So any adventure I'm about to run is going to go longer than it's supposed to go. So I have to pick one that's shorter than the time frame to get it to the time frame, right? And uh, uh, so I had a number of great suggestions. At the end of it all, I'm like, I'm going to go with the core rule book. Again, similar concept, brand new players, get them something right out of the core rule book, and we're going to go through it. And that story is amazing. 
That story was so fun. It was a lot of fun to play. Well, now, hey. now you have me wondering, because I've been vacillating. I'm going to Gen Con in a couple of weeks. I know by the time this comes out, it would have passed. But I've been vacillating on which I've never run a game at a convention. This is going to be my first yeah. time. So I'm, I've been vacillating. Jim, any suggestions I'll take? But uh, Rescue of Xerxes and also the new Starfleet Academy mission briefs that have come out. I'm wondering if I should run a mission brief for a, a, a convention game. I don't know if that's a good or bad idea. I think it could work, Michael, especially with your command of the game and the system. I think you could make just about any of them work, to be honest with you. The more I get seasoned in the the mechanics of the game, the more comfortable I am with running more and more stuff. I am looking now for different things, uh, you know, uh, the ability to do different things. With, so I'm looking for different kinds of challenges. I'm looking for, you know, that happy mix between how many extended challenges, how many gated challenges uh, and all that, because that's where I think the, the interest really lies. Uh, I, I, I got to ask, I, and again, I want everyone to chime in on this. I'm, I'm thinking that for a convention game, I wouldn't even go into extended tasks. I would just stick with gated challenge at most, but really just stick with the basic task scroll and keep it as, you know, let people fall into narrative if they're comfortable. Yeah, keep it simple. So you are you are absolutely right. That as what I did, there are a couple uh extra extended challenges in the Xerxes mission that in retro as I was planning it, I built a flow chart, you know, uh, uh again, thank big shout out to Captain's log and uh uh in uh, the flow chart concept. So I'm like, I'm just gonna make myself a little flow chart. That'll help me keep my head on straight when I play the game. And it was amazing. It worked really well. Uh but one of the things I did is I actually altered two of the extended challenges and flipped them into gated challenges. Uh, okay. like I and just then, found a way to, to adapt them into gated challenges uh, to do that. Plus, my players were amazing with the way they did certain things. So right. there are elements of those extended challenges that they actually took care of in the opening two scenes. Got so it. We got to them in the third one. I'm like, I didn't need to do that part of it anyway. So it was right. easy and made narrative sense. And, and Joe and Jim, what were you going to say? Yeah. So to your to your question, Michael, I think Kobayashi Maru. Okay, really? Yeah, because everyone I saw that everyone one. knows it from Star Trek. Um, it's such a critical piece of the lore. It's a, an amazing self the module that's free to download through Drive Through RPG and other uh, sources. You get fine Modiphius products. Um, it's I've run it before. It fits nicely in the convention slot time frame. It uh, is very. It's, it, it presents enough uh, linearness without being overly prescriptive. Um, and it really is that core iconic. There really is hardly anything more iconic uh, for Star Trek than the, the Kobe Mashe Maru test, especially for some new new player trying out the game. Okay. I, I guess my question, I, I was thinking about avoiding ship battle in a convention, and I know it simulates ship battle, and I was wondering if... That would be well, more like ship destruction, but yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Jim, well, I was going to say a couple of things. So first, Michael, I can, I can talk to you offline. Uh, I have a couple of suggestions, but I can't share them publicly yet. Uh, so I have a couple of suggestions for adventures that you might want to run. Um, but then be, beyond that, I think um, for a convention adventure. I think keeping it simple is the right place to go. And I think Lee um, uh, alluded to it, where if the players at your table are familiar with Star Trek, like maybe not super familiar, but kind of familiar. If you've got a good 
group of pre-gen characters to hand out that have a little bit of a bio that they can kind of get their teeth into to say, oh, this is my character. The uh, the simple task resolution as you start getting into like difficulty zero tasks, give them a little momentum and some candy to get them start thinking about it. They're going to latch onto the narrative and they're going to be going 100 miles an hour with their characters doing all the cool stuff and going, oh, I can do this. I can do this. I can the ship help me with this. And they're going to get into that Star Trek flow, that mindset, right, without you really having to do a lot of poking and prodding to get them there. Um, and I think you'd be and, and you being as experienced as you are as a game master, I think you'll be able to do a lot of yes and at that point and just carry them along throughout the entire the, the remainder of the time that you got, whether it's three hours or four hours or whatever and you won't even have to worry about extended tasks or gated challenges or um the bigger stuff now you, you can certainly could do it but i think for the purposes of a of a introductory con adventure just to get them hooked on the game that's i think that might be the way to do it that's just my opinion though uh, I, like that. Get something? I just wanted to jump in off of that speaking of mike as a game master i think when we had him on our show we talked on air about him running a game for us <laughs> and i said i would uh, i just i, I just i just i just want to i just want to throw that no, I, I haven't forgotten it i just <laughs> let me know when stuff. yeah 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 i oh, I, think, I love the games we get to play I, when the when y'all run them yeah i knew i had already decided and this is interesting we're going into i mean it's we're coming out of gaming convention, but this will play for gaming convention time, but we're, you know, they're always running, but um, I was going to use from the TOS tricorder set, Jim, those characters, just because people who may not be hot on TOS are definitely probably hot on S and W right now, strange new worlds. And so that's the same time period. So I was going to say, Oh, these aren't TOS. These are strange new worlds just to help click their mind. Cause I'd love those characters. I've actually played yeah. those, that those, those uh, pre gens from there. And then now it's like I said, really, I, I have two games to run. I'm trying to lock down. I'm going to run the same one. So it's easy on my head, but <laughs> I love the votes coming in about that. I'll let y'all know what I do. Scientists. <laughs> those old, old scientists old yeah uh, uh jim you were absolutely correct about um the pre-gens that is a must at conventions i strongly stand by uh bring pre-gens the one thing the one alteration i do to that is if anybody has played at my table in a given game system before they are welcome to use the same pre-gen that they used the last time and because it's their second time at my table, I will give them some added benefit in uh, in the Star Trek Adventures way. My thought is I'm going to give them a career event and advance their individual timeline a little bit. Uh, mm -hmm. So, you know, at perhaps the first time they picked up that pre-gen, they were a, a, a young officer, an inexperienced officer. Now they're going to be experienced. Or if they were experienced, now they're going to be a veteran. I'm going to give them that wee little bit of advancement because they've been at my table at the convention space. The beauty of our our drinking and dragons convention is that it runs three times a year. I am consistently running there. So I, and I frequently get people who come back to my tables. Mm. Um, but I always make room for extra people who have never been at my table before. I mm. tend to set my table size at five. And then uh, that way, if and when, and I usually sell out my table very quickly. There were, they usually sell out my table very quickly. There uh, were eight at your table this weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. 
Um, and, and, and so then what I do is, and I always tell them, I said, don't worry about how many more people you need to put at my table. I just want to be able to control that flow. I don't want to start with eight because I always get two or three extra people whenever, no matter what number I put down, there's always two or three extras that are looking for a home. I'm happy to be that home, but I, you know, so I manage it. Uh, I had eight at the table uh, this weekend and it ran really, really well. Um, it was a bit of a cheat code, Michael. I actually got up to, at one point, I think I, the highest I got, I think it was 24 threat. Uh, so not, I haven't got 42 yet, but, uh, and nobody, very few people at the table know what I'm saying, but as soon as they start giving me a lot of threat, I'm like, I'm coming for you, Michael. <laughs> and uh, like, I will shout that out very loudly in the, on the game floor. Nobody has any clue uh, what I'm talking about, but that's, you know, that's me and you uh, across this great country of ours. <laughs> the, the creative unconsciousness is hearing it. Then that exactly. you got to start with 16 with eight players. Yeah. I mean, you, exactly. you had a good head start, right? But I was limiting really it well. to four. I was like, I'm not doing more than four. I'm scared. This is my first time out the gate. Part of what made it work <laughs> was we unintentionally had a lot of dual roles. So there were two science specialists. And what that meant was they were constantly assisting each other and collaborating. And they did that great. And there were two security personnel. And they did the same thing. And it just kind of... It kind of worked out into smaller teams because of duplicate roles, but it, it went pretty well. All right, I was Lee, nervous Lee send, me your pre-gens. send me your pre-gens, Lee. I want to see this. Okay. So, and that's the other thing. In addition to the box set pre-gens, I also made about 25 other uh, full-on characters to be pre-gens. Like that. <laughs> that was almost too much. People were getting analysis paralysis trying to choose their pre-gens. Yeah, like yeah, that I, was a lot, just so you know. Well, I mean, you know, if, if nothing else, you've got, uh, I mean, I'm not, I'm not shilling our products, right? But at this point, we've got so many crew packs of yeah. uh, of characters out there. If you wanted to, you know, just grab one of those and say, hey, you're the you're the lower decks characters or you're the Voyager characters. Or if you really wanted to get creative, you know, print them all out, shuffle them up and just hand out random characters. Yeah. And you could have, uh, you know, you could have Janeway with Cisco with, uh, you know, Bashir and like completely, completely random crew at every table mm -hmm. and just say, okay, time travel. It's a thing. Let's go. <laughs> I like your, your own lower decks, uh, strange new world crossover, right? That could be like, fun. Yeah. That could be good. That actually is almost a great, hold on. What if I just print out the captains so and some adventure brings them all together? There you go. Mm. That crossover makes me want to skip to those two shows right now. The Strange New Worlds is crossing over with Lower Decks, the animated show, because I've seen the news and I've seen the Facebook and I want to see it, but I haven't yeah. started those yet. Yeah, Jack so Quaid's amazing. Yeah, he's amazing. Well, I did. You have to, and as soon as possible, because <laughs> I got to finish Picard first and then I'm moving on. My go. my yeah. ability to keep my mouth shut is going to wane quickly. Legendarily Probably, bad. Yeah. Yeah, probably about as long as it takes for me to get the Lower Decks campaign book in my hot little hands. You've got about two weeks from that point before it's all done. <laughs> I'll, I'll do what I can, Glenn, and keep talking to him about it so he can, like, es event, escape. You'll shield me a little bit, Joe. I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah, that'll hopefully help him uh, not erupt. That's the only reason why you got through the weekend without hearing about it, Glenn, because Joe was in my ear. <laughs> Well, you know, uh, Glenn, you you raised a really interesting point when you were when you were talking about the game recently. You were saying that there your your game had two science specialists and they were riffing off each other and supporting each other, and you had mm -hmm. two security specialists and they were riffing off each other and supporting each other. Um, it, it didn't. I mean, somewhere in the back of my head, I think it occurred to me, but it didn't really occur to me because I don't run big tables right i i i think i think five is my sweet spot and then more than that i'm like okay i'm not paying 
enough service to these other people. And, and I just get, they get lost in the shuffle. And, um, I, and now I'm thinking about convention play and I'm like, wow, wouldn't it be an amazing opportunity if you had like a couple experienced players at the table and they could kind of like mentor support newer people Help. who are like, I don't know anything about Star Trek. It's like, well, what, what do you want to play? Do you want to play a security officer, a science officer? Yeah. Like, what do you want to be? And it's like, well, I want to be a science officer. Okay. Well then, you know, you know, uh, Ann Smith over here is a experienced player. Why don't you be her number two? And you guys can be the science team and you do your science thing. And then that, you can just kind of like bring somebody along with you right. and you show them the ropes and just get into it. I think Star Trek, not so much Star Trek Adventures, but like Star Trek as a gaming entity just does that so well because you got that collaboration and teamwork kind of thing going on. I've had this idea kind of floating around in my head of kind of uh, like an episode in a jar where everybody on the episode plays uh, an engineer and it's it, the the entirety of the episode only happens in engineering. And they have to kind of keep responding to things that are happening outside the ship without really knowing what it is that's going on. That'd be hot. We need, we need that on paper, Josh. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, that's pretty much the life of a lower decker, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah totally, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's that great Stack episode. Those crates. There's that great episode where something's going on and they're just going about their jobs and they see the bridge crew running here and there. They keep crossing. <laughs> These, yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. I mean, bouncing way, 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 way out of genre, but it's kind of like the Zeppo episode of Buffy where everyone else in the cast is saving the world. Well, we're just focusing on Xander on a side quest. It was kind of interesting. Yeah. 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 So, so that gets me into now, I know we started talking about something before we hit record and, <laughs> and I think it's a good time to bridge over there. Now we talked about Star Trek adventures. How many people here have picked up captain's log or have played around with it so far? Okay. I, it up. I haven't had a chance to read through it yet. <clears throat> okay. Okay. So I picked it up and started it and I'm super looking forward to it because I love solo journaling games like okay. i took uh the adventurer i think is the first one that i ever played with and turned it into like a six-part story thing that we did on tabletop journeys to show how it worked i think they're a lot of fun talk about that for a second why why do you think they're fun well because i'm a writer nerd for one and i'm always telling a story in my head i can't help it um, i'm also a world builder so in whatever world or genre i'm working in there's always plot lines running around in the back of my head right so then i was first introduced to the concept of a solo role-playing game because one of these two guys i i've never even heard of them put it up as an episode card one day and like what we're doing an episode on solo games what the heck are those and i had to start doing <laughs> some research and that was my first introduction to it um, cause I've been writing random weird stories forever, but now I'm using an Oracle deck with a set character in a world that I've heard that I'm developing, um, my boiling seas world and using the Oracle deck and the story of this character to help me develop the world as I go, because it's choosing where I'm going. So now I have to create it. And it was just, it was, it was a lot of fun. And I thought it was a great way to showcase how a solo game kind of worked. So I'd post up what I picked from the Oracle deck and how I translated it and then what it turned into. And I'm kind of looking forward to doing the same thing with the captain's log, though I don't know enough about its uh, inner workings yet because I've picked it up and started it, but I have not gotten that far. But yeah, I'm thinking I'm going to do something similar on the tabletop journey side with it. I look I absolutely look forward to that, Glenn, because I loved your story of Reveille, Reveille the Bard uh, very much. 
uh, and I love the boiling seas. Uh, I played a couple of uh, tabletop games within that that world in its earlier stages or, or earlier iterations as well. And I am I look forward to the way you do that with Star Trek very very much. Um, like well, that'll also be an exercise in getting me used to writing in a futuristic Star Trekky style because we've been writing for a fantasy game for quite some time. And I need to start changing gears a little bit with our current focus, because we're not dropping other games, but we're clearly keeping the Star Trek adventures bent for a while because we're all loving it so much. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 with the game, my immediate thought was I'm going to play the backstory to the, Star Trek Preservations game world. Uh, and in specific, uh, it's not just Star Trek Preservations. It's the new game that we are starting next week, Star Trek Expedition. So we've got two campaigns, same world. Both ships are operating out from Aislinn Station uh, and, and running missions. So we'll have two con- concurrent games going. Right. Uh, and so I am, and I just started, I'm actually taking the ship the new ship, the uh, Luna class USS Michael Collins, uh, named and created initially by Josh, uh, <laughs> and uh, whose captain uh, has deep connections to uh, Commander Tobor from the Delamas Christian. And so I'm going to be doing some of her story. And in, in specific, my goal is to use cap, uh, Captain's Log to do the shakedown cruise of the michael collins that's amazing so that's that's what i started this evening was that's great this is like and 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 as i'm going and i'm looking at the different areas of the ship like it says you know talk about the idiosyncrasies of the ship talk about uh areas of the ship that are unique and i'm like i know this character this character is a diplomatic type of person she's got a law degree she was once with jag the law library. So she found this one space before the ship was ready to leave on a shakes down cruise. And she decided it was going to be turned into a law library. So this whole space, which as mm. opposed to these nice, clean, uh, modernistic uh, lines is now a big, huge law library stacks, uh, you know, uh, five meters high with rolling ladders. And even the entrance and exit is set up with hollow emitters. So it looks like it's one of the those old style gate elevators. So even though you're walking straight out or walking straight in, the hollow emitters will to anybody inside will make it look like they're coming down or up in a, one of those gated elevators that you have to pull and pull the lever to Super get out. Super creative. Super and creative. Like that that's kind of you know that's where I had to stop when uh, when I, I look up and my and the link is there for Michael. It's like oh it's time to sign in. I'll be right there, guys. <laughs> and then and then Joe and Josh, you're tickling around with it too. Yeah, I literally just started. I mean, I, you know, uh, uh, I also have a seven month old. So uh, uh, life is really, really busy in my house between, you know, between the podcast and everything like that. But I'm really excited to go ahead and get into it. I have not dabbled so much in solo journaling games, although I was the one that put the episode together that Glenn was talking about. So, uh, uh, you know, so I'm. I'm interested to crack into one. Like I haven't, I haven't really had that much experience with it, but I think that that idea, Luanika is genius to go ahead and, and kind of flesh out the crew that's going to be running through that process. Like I'm really excited to go ahead and see kind of what you come up with there. So. Well, and my plan is to, uh, with captain's log is to not only do the, 
uh, backstory for my current character, who's the captain in the ship, but the, he's a trill. So I've got like six or so lifetimes of trill, trill yes. hosts to go back in and play around with. Uh -huh. So um, by the it's end, a great of this, way to explore your past lives. Absolutely. Right. And one of those past lives was a close friend of the captain of the Michael Collins. So, yeah. uh, so, so the, one of the coolest things, things about the fact that there's two now, just in terms of talking about how great Star Trek Adventures is and how much it's impacted our show, just in case you, just to make sure you guys realize this, is up until this point, all of our actual plays have been a rotating cast. We've used our Patreons for most of them as a Patreon award. Now with a constantly rotating group of patrons it's hard to put out a consistent show but it was fun and we enjoyed it and they loved it and uh we've done actual plays with different games bringing in other podcasters and putting together you know like an all-star cast kind of thing but that's always rotated too but star trek adventures has grabbed us enough that the reason there's two games running concurrent concurrently is because we're making our first set cast ongoing actual play of Star Trek Adventures, but then still keeping the Patreons in it so that the two games can can impact each other. And I think it's going to be fantastic. But yeah, yeah. And, and, and it should be said that uh, the growth of our patrons who really love the fact that one of the three of us is running a game for them has really accelerated largely due in part to largely due to the quality of the star trek adventures game like we people just love this game By sure, we just announced that we were going to do star trek adventures i think it was like four more patreons 11 yeah. minutes after lee when he posted that they were you were doing star trek adventures as a patreon I was signing up and being like, I want in. You're one in. of them that. I was banging yeah. on it. Get me in. Yeah. Get like, me in. Like Riker on the uh, insane asylum. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've been I've been trying to get numbers from Jim for years on how many people actually play this game. He hasn't done yeah. that. He's under some sort of NDA. There's, there's, <laughs> there's no way. I mean, I mean, if I had that data, I, I would love to have it. But there is literally no way to know how many people are playing this game because, like, I can see the sales figures, right? And I can see how many copies of the book that we've sold but that does not even scratch the surface of how many people are actually playing it right you think in a worst case scenario one person buys the core book and then they've got you know four to ten players in their orbit that are maybe playing it with them and that's 10 people for one core book right so that doesn't that that's not a fair assessment of how many people are playing the game i would like to think there are a lot of people around the globe playing this game and i know that there's a lot of people around the globe playing it because like i've seen the the youtubes and the twitches and the and the live streams and the recordings and stuff and i love it honestly because I, I i've said it at length before in the middle of the night when i'm tired of editing a document i'll i'll, I'll pull up youtube and just say I, I just need a brain break and i'll go find some random um you know star trek adventures video it might be a group in germany playing the game and you know complete you know, in german or polish or whatever and like i can't understand the language but clearly they're at the table in their uniforms with the screen and the swag and the and the in the in their snacks and it's like oh they're playing star trek adventures and they're having a good time that's awesome mm -hmm. and that just kind of like gets me back up again but uh, to be able to put a number on how many people are actually playing the game right I am willing to bet that there is not a single game company, a single tabletop RPG game company that could fairly tell you how many people are playing their game. Even Wizards of the Coast, as as much of a um, you know um, eight hundred pound gorilla in the industry that they are, I am willing to bet they they could not tell you with any certainty how many people are actually or have actually played 
uh, Dungeons and Dragons. It's just it's just something that we can't possibly know. And the only other data point I've got, you know, and I, I think I've talked about this too, and I'm sorry if I'm boring you guys, but like I so knowing our sales figures, right? I can then go look at Discord. I can then go look at Facebook. I can then go look at Reddit, and I can see the number of people that are like in the subreddit or, or, or I can see how many people are on the Facebook groups and I can see how many people are in our discord channel. And like, if I take those numbers and they're here and the sales figures are up here, <laughs> then there's like, there's clearly a, there's a, there's a, there's a discrepancy between the number of people who are buying the game and the number of people who are actively engaged in the game, at least online. So I am confident there's a gigantic population of gamers who are just not, just they're just not getting i mean they might be online doing like email and social media and stuff but they're just not engaging with the online gaming community to right. the degree that we are and that's why i really wish well i mean you know everybody wishes covid didn't happen right but i i really wish i had more time to go to conventions because i would love to go to like you know uh, las vegas star trek las vegas san diego comic-con even some of the local cons and just get a feel for like what are people actually doing with the game just like out there, they're not online. They're not talking about new releases or whatever. It's just, I, 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 there's people out there that I want to touch and I just don't know how to get to them because they're just, they're not online, you know? It, the answer is the conventions. And I, I have, having yeah. run the game this weekend, uh, there are several people at my table who I've known over the, over the years, several of them interact with us, either they're patrons or they play in games that I, that I run uh, my home. One of them plays in my home game and whatnot, but they were new people and they were friends of, of some of the people there uh, that I know. And they, this was their first experience with this game uh, this weekend. Uh, but they're all in. One of those people signed up on our on our Facebook community. Uh, one of the things I did prior to going to the convention was I sent them uh, a list with several links to include Star Trek Adventures, continuing missions, and continuing conversations. I said, if you really love this game, start clicking on those links that I sent you in the email before I before we sat down tonight, uh, and you'll be able to get a lot more uh, 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 out of this game as well. So there are people who are. I mean, you've said it a number of times. The more people we bring into the community, the uh, and bring into the game, and get them to sit down and play this game, the bigger this is going to get. And that's exactly what we're doing. You know, I'm going to do it one table at a time. And mm. you know, I, I've got two more opportunities uh, coming up next weekend. Uh, I've got two sessions going: one on a Friday, one on a Saturday at Terrificon. Um, I did a learn to play at HH Ellis for one of their um, uh, that high schools. Um, uh, simulation game. Basically, it's a role playing club, uh, but it's a simulation club. At it's uh, big enough that they do a con of their own every year. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I we were at their con last year at the end of last year, and then <laughs> earlier this year they had a one night event, and I I went out for that. And uh, the timing was not great for me to run a full session, but I literally did a, a learn the game. So it was basically here are some pre gens, and I showed them. Uh, you know, I brought up the B, uh, the BC Homes tool and showed them how easy it was to make characters and how cool it was to make ships. So I'm sitting there because that, that was. Uh, pretty soon after I got Utopia Planitia. So I was like, I was showing like, if you wanted to make this ship and then I could show them how to do that and just talk with them about the system. I showed them how the dice worked and all of that and uh, brilliant fun. And uh, you know, uh, that's, 
that's that's what it takes. All of us who are currently playing or game mastering go to a table. What Joe did for us was amazing. I don't want to undersell what Joe did coming into coming to our table as a voice of reason and just being a great community member uh, and helping us as storytellers learn the game and other players learn the game. Uh, and it was never a matter of sh sh overshouting or rules lawyering. It was, hey, there's this and that. And then there were sometimes uh, from time to time, either Joe or other folks has approached me after, hey, are you sure that's the way that world works? I'm like, you know, I'm really not. Let's go figure <laughs> that out. This weekend was a great example. There was a, a, a simple rule that I kind of was not running exactly right. Everybody still had fun. Glenn asked me a question kind of after the fact. I uh, shot a message out to Al Spader. Thanks, Al. Shout out to Al. Uh, uh, and say, hey, uh, I honestly don't know. How does this thing work? He's like, no, no, Glenn's right. <laughs> that This is how that works. I'm like, excellent. That's a smart guy that? right there. Yeah, he is, right? Uh, you know, he's right. Uh, he's Glenn. Yeah, right? That, and, uh, you know, so, but, uh, and that's one of the other things that's very important to know for people learning this game. Don't worry about messing up. Like right. there is no rule in this game that you can get so wrong that the game's not fun. But you did it right, Leonica, <laughs> right there at the table. You straight up said, this is before I didn't say anything till after the game was over and away from other players. I helped with rules as we went, which was fantastic. And it speaks to your point earlier, Mike, when you were talking about being able to pair an experienced player with an, an, an experienced player, having experienced table players at your table. It was fantastic. Uh, where was I going with this? uh you said i was right and yes you, the you and you said it right at the table um earlier with a different thing when you were talking about your how you were having to change the gated challenges and stuff somebody asked a question about them and you said well don't take this as as 100 the rules because i'm altering them and i know i'm not running them exactly right but the flow of the game is running really well and i don't want to break that so we're just going to roll forward with it and that, that's exactly right if you're not certain make a call as close to the rules as you can. If the flow is flowing great right now, yep. you know, work your way there's, back in. There's no point in flow and uh, fighting the current if the if the view downstream is just as beautiful. <laughs> Simple yep. as that. And afterwards, <laughs> you back you review your rules. Yes, I think that the point in your brain. Yeah, I think the point. You know, after hearing us, I I, I know this always happens with this group. We're already over an hour on this, <laughs> but I'm one shocked. of the I'm things I'm hearing <laughs> is is it's more important to introduce people to the overall genre of the game, the flow of the game, the feel of the game, um, as opposed to making it crunchy and someone said lording over the rules or something like that. And I think that's totally true. I know I'm running a, several games right now, most on Discord, one person um, with with um, I have people on my game who say they're neurodivergent and it's English is a second language. And I've had to do a lot of adaptations and back up those rules to focus on, Hey, let's start with some simple game mechanics. It's been working out really well. So it's really happy to hear um, all of your experience, all of your backgrounds coming into this and, and making it work. I'm really adapting it, you know, conscientiously for the players. It's not just the game master's world. Right. Yep. 1000%. Yeah, good. All right. All right, Jim, any other uh, things before we start getting into gratitude? Uh, no, I think just uh, just I'm, I'm grateful that you were all on the show and that you spent, spent some time with us. It's been great yeah. listening to you and talking to you. I just I'm, I'm inspired all over again to uh, to keep working on the game, but also to play it. Right. Like I'm, I'm uh, it's been really hard for me to find 
time to actually play Star Trek Adventures or even run it late. I mean, within the last, I don't know, year or so. But uh, once Captain's Log finally came out and I got it into a format that I could actually do something with it beyond just, um, um, you know, flipping through a PDF, it, it was nice to have the book in hand to start flipping through it and marking it up. Um, I've been playing, I mean, I've got four four videos on my uh, on my channel and I'm doing more actual play stuff with it. And, uh, you know, like like you were saying, uh, actually, I think most of you said this, um, I have so many Star Trek ideas in my head that I never got to back in the day when we didn't even have a game system we just created our own homebrew star trek and it was it was kind of like embryonically similar to star trek adventures but nowhere near as sophisticated and nowhere near as polished but we were just kind of kludging fasa with decipher because we liked mm. elements of those systems and we just kind of like slapped them together and put our narrative um overlay on it because we were my group was really super narrative and we could really care less about the mechanics honestly we were just rolling dice for the sake of rolling dice we just want to get into the narrative but uh now that I've got Captain's Log, it's like, oh, all that story that I've been sitting on for 30 years is, is now starting to percolate up and say, hey, remember this campaign you wanted to run? Hey, remember the story you wanted to run? And all remember all that paperwork you've got sitting in your binder on your uh, on your shelf because I'm a pack rat and I can't get rid of stuff? It's like it, all those characters are there. All the stories idea ideas are there. And now it's just a matter of like, where do I find the time? to tell all these stories I want to tell with Captain's Log. Where, where, where am I going to find that time? And so that's what I'm trying to figure out right now. But like yeah. just getting on conversations with this and just listening to you all talk about your experiences with the game is just keeping me uh, super inspired because uh, um, I'm, I'm really um, excited to, just, to, just to hear you all talk about this. So thank you for being here. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, Michael, I've jumped the I've jumped the gratitude a little bit, but I've got nothing more to add. I think this has been great. So if you want to start off gratitude, we can we can get on get on toward that. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I have to thank Joe, Lee, Wanika, Glenn, and Josh, because uh, to your point earlier, I've never seen such a supportive group of super fans out there, super fans who are now becoming writers um, because of Jim's generosity and in, in reaching out for talent and stuff like that. So so I know um, really everything you're doing, you know, your expertise, I'm going to, of course, ask you to all plug tabletop, uh, <laughs> tabletop journeys before you leave um, that expertise coming in and hearing and confirming it's almost validating and affirming what I've experienced over the game for the last seven years has been great so that's my gratitude um is of course to you but not only that is that you all even you know joe i know you know a little bit about your background and taking the lead and getting people into these games too um going just back to the conventions and meeting people again i i'm nervous in crowds like this but you're actually really getting me revved up for gen con uh which like i said by the time this airs i would have gone to but really want to support those brick and mortars out there who are so key to inviting people in and seeing that maybe you know kid over in the corner the mom with the kid in the corner say hey come over and sit down i think that's one of the coolest things like i'm looking forward to maybe seeing a family pass by and be like hey come here i want to show you a new game there's more than monopoly out there in the world you know <laughs> and I, i'm and so i really want to shout out everything y'all you all are doing and of course i want to shout out my brick and mortar of the week which is going to be chicago land games uh, uh hank williams says yes his name's hank william he says the dice dojo is where i game and where i've uh made some incredibly close friendships it's also where i've gathered my rotating eight player sta crew so that's chicago land games dice dojo which is awesome so i think you all you know symbolize that same kind of spirit so let's go around and do our gratitude let's go Joe, Glenn, Lewanika, Josh, and then we'll take it back to Jim. Yeah, well, of course, I mean, first off, I'm going to have to thank the Tabletop Journeys crew for welcoming me into their community. Um, joining a new group, that, especially one that's established as 
as long as the, not only the Tabletop Journeys crew, but also your core Patreon group has gone through quite a number of uh, uh, trials and tribulations and adventures that are quite legendary um, together. So uh, I was a bit nervous coming in, but the whole team, Lee Wanika, Josh as GMs, and then meeting Glenn later on as a player, all have been super welcoming and uh, have been tremendously uh, appreciative and uh, uh, wonderful in getting to uh, uh, play the the captain of the the commanding officer of the ship, which is a really a great. Um, there's a they took a lot of risk in 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 a brand new person who they literally had not met. I mean, Lee and I had exchanged uh, comments and. Uh, tips and tricks on the Facebook group page. But short of that uh, brief kind of uh, Q&A FAQ role, we hadn't engaged in the, the faith that they gave in me and letting me take on this role and then uh, provide a kind of a subject matter expert uh, player in giving me the opportunity to be a player instead of a forever STAGM um, has been incredible. And so can't thank them enough. And of course, can't thank Modifius enough for making an amazing product um, that just so eloquently captures the cinematic narrative storytelling system from uh, Star Trek. And there's, you know, there's no wrong way to have fun, but there are better, there are ways that makes fun, facilitates having more fun. And STA is the best facilitating system I've ever encountered in my years of getting <laughs> um, to do that. And so... With that, my my brick and mortar shout out is going to be uh, Game Castle Sacramento, as well as Hammerhead Games. Um, both of them are now stocking STA at my uh, uh, whispering suggestions. So good job! I'm going to be working with uh, them about a more regular um, STA presence in uh, uh, demo sessions as we get closer, longer into the summer. I'm only an hour fifteen minutes away, Joe. Let me know when I'll be there. Whenever. Absolutely. I've, ne I've never wanted to be in California more. <laughs> <laughs> It'll last right. for probably one or two for the game sessions only. Like I need a teleporter so I can teleport over to game with y'all and then I'll teleport home because I do love it on the East Coast. <laughs> so I happen to live in an RV at the moment and for the foreseeable future. Uh, so when I make it out to California, we, we might have to touch base and you get together for a live game. That would be fantastic. Even at a game shop too. That would be, that would, that be, so would be amazing. And I would be very grateful for that experience. Um, but I also, uh, have a lot of gratitude. I'm going to send it right back at you, Joe, because having you sit down at our table and play captain Tobor, not just in terms of the caliber of role playing you are and how much you put into the character, but in terms of the amount of assistance that you've given us in helping, and I've only played in a few games, not even all of them, but I've heard, I've seen enough of it to say this with confidence, the assistance you've given us with learning the system so that we could do it justice has been phenomenal. Um, and it's, it's amazing to be able to come on this show, continuing conversations. Lee Wanika talks about it all the time. And now here I am, you know, kind of geeking out about it a little bit mm -hmm. and just the chance to play this fantastic game, because I got to say, I've always, I've been a role player for the way we hide Joe, as we like to say that the three of us have more than a hundred years combined. And then we don't have to worry about the individuality of it. But yeah, I mean, but I played my first game of D&D &D when I was eight and I ain't young. Um, 
and I've seen so many games come out and there are a lot of games coming out right now from indie publishers that are amazing in terms of really rules light, you know, the powered by the apocalypse games, but SDA hits that sweet spot in the middle where it's not crunchy once you understand the rules, but it's not just a rules light narrative either. It gives enough meat on that bone to keep the game interesting and keep that randomness so you never know what's coming next while still letting you, you know, just create that cohesive story. And it's a great time. Um, probably one of my favorite games that I'm playing at the moment, learning Savage Worlds also, and I'm enjoying that one. It's also kind of in the middle, but STA nudges it out, out from the top spot. So probably my favorite game that I'm running at the moment. So thank you guys very much for building it with us for all, so that me and all of the other fans out there can play it. Sweet. Um, I'm surprised uh, I, you didn't unmute Jim to gush. <laughs> 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 All right, um, go ahead, Lee. So uh, my brick and mortar shout out is going to be uh, the one that I've done on this show all three times or all the times I've been on before is Citadel Game Seller. I do. The, been going there since I was 16. I skipped that. Yeah. The the guys there or the folks there are amazing. They're uh so willing to support the games that their their players that their customers that their found family uh are playing and it's so like just going there and saying hey this is a great game i really enjoy it i think other people will do it um and it will enjoy it as well saying to them hey i'd like to run some learn to play sessions here they've i've done uh one so far i as soon as we're done with the convention season i'll be doing some more in august uh and, and moving forward so at least once a month my goal is to run a game at citadel in fact the two sessions i'm running next week are through the citadel they are actually uh buying the space at the convention but they buy enough space where they actually have game tables in the convention space because it's more of a comic con and uh actors jonathan frakes will be there or at least it's currently scheduled i'm not sure what the strike how that's going to work out exactly but there's a number of folks that are going to be there but they ask some of their local folks that are regulars at the shop to run games in their space. So I'm running STA in their space at the convention. Uh, so that that's kind of what I'm doing. And uh, if they're there and I can get it, I'm going to try to go ahead and see if I can get uh, Mr. Frakes to sign my my books. Oh, my God. Get him to sign the, the Game Master's Guide and the Player's Guide. Oh, my goodness. Oh, I may buy those from you one day. I, I, I Like, good luck to get me to sell them. But... Uh, <laughs> uh but yeah so how quickly can you fedex your books to liwanika before he goes <laughs> i'm pretty quick and whatever money he charges you to sign it let me know let's take this offline yeah here. we'll take that offline um yeah so that's what i'm hoping i don't know we haven't had any knock on wood cancellations at this convention i know a few have happened at other uh conventions and appearances so we'll see i'm hoping for the absolute best though i fully support those actors um and those writers fully support so uh that was my brick and mortar my gratitude is actually to sag after for fighting the good fight uh and uh i stand and i stand supporting them uh i will also just say this about my family and found family um the folks that are playing in our games the ones that i've known for years the ones that i've just met in the recent few months are amazing to me they are so enriching to my life they're enriching to the way i 
act and interact with other people. It has given me such joy to be able to do the things that we're doing on this show. And I really want to express that level of gratitude to all of them, not just you, Joe. I mean, you, obviously you're here and I say that, but uh, just talking Star Trek with you, even the few times, even when we're talking about non-Star Trek, we're just talking about life, your job, my job, we just talk. Uh, and that happened, you know, Star Trek was the vehicle by which we connected, but we are connected. And I think that's the coolest thing about Star Trek in general. That is the coolest thing about this game. So that's my big shout out. And it is also bringing new connections to, to my life as well, or reconnecting me to folks in my life. My, my, my brother-in-law, uh, uh, through my ex, uh, but he's, I'm still close with, uh, her whole family, not her, but her whole family. Uh, but, uh, he has been talking to me about uh, about STA, and he has convinced me that despite every other kind of game I'm running, that I'm going to be running a game for just our family, uh, probably starting at least once a month sometime in, in the fall that is just going to be for uh, family. So it's going to be him, likely his wife, possibly my niece. Uh, you know, uh, I've got my youngest son is teaching my younger daughter uh how to play uh ttrpgs her fiance actually plays so i will likely be running a family game as well so it's like one of these things where um found family and family connecting amazing and uh i love this game and that is what i am forever grateful for all right so it would be uh, I, I would be totally remiss if I did not shout out our Patreons who have really come along with us in this journey. I mean, not just the ones that play in Star Trek, but you, we have uh, over the last couple of years we have thrown a lot at these folks um, that were subscribing to the show, supporting the show, and we're like, hey, you know, why don't you come on? We'll record our sessions and various games uh, and put you through all sorts of shenanigans. And so, I mean, you know, Joe, you were saying, you know, how kind of the leap of faith that that you think that we took uh, by asking you to captain. The Dilemma's Christian, the leap of faith that you took in coming on with two people who have run very, very little Star Trek uh, 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 over the years, um, but know know the IP well and kind of know the story that we want to tell. You know, it was it was really cool, kind of hearing you sum up the story at the beginning of the episode because I'm like, yep, nope. He gets yep. it. He gets exactly what we're trying to do. He gets exactly where we're trying to go. Um, and so it's nice to hear that that's coming across, even in, uh, like. Uh, Episode four starts dropping tomorrow, um, and so uh, it's really nice that that's already coming across in the uh, in the first few uh, episodes that have come out there. So, thanks to you, and and really thanks to all the rest of our patrons. Who I mean, we would not be able to do what we do without them. Um, and the fact that uh, not only uh, do they support the show, but that they uh, uh, they let us uh, you know do what we do to them on a monthly basis. You know, that's a, uh, that's always really nice too. So, yeah. So, uh, and then my brick and mortar shout out, uh, uh, Alice Bader and I have actually talked a couple of times about hitting up crossroad games, uh, in Standish, Maine. It's not far from where I live. It, it, it's, it's almost about halfway in between where Al lives and where I live. So, uh, we've talked about, uh, figuring out how to get over there and do some SCA stuff, uh, in the near future. So. Sweet. Awesome. All right, Jim, you did. Thank you. Do you have anything more before we wrap up? I just want to I just want to thank um, all the fans, as always, uh, to for for getting into the game, enjoying the game, sharing the game with each other, bringing new people into the game. 
like running conventions and, and getting people involved, going to game stores, getting people involved, um, bugging your game stores to order the game and get the game stocked, right? Um, whether you're working with your distributors or going directly to Modiphius, like whatever, just getting that groundswell of support. And I, and I hearken back to this has to be how D&D got started, right? Because like they didn't have the internet, they didn't have anything, they, they barely had conventions and you just have local game stores, right? So really shout out to the local game stores, the ones that have hung on, through all the hard times with the, uh, you know, online commerce becoming what it is. And I know a lot of game stores have shut down and I'm, I'm still lamenting the fact that my favorite local game store here in Chantilly, Virginia, the game parlor, they shut down after 20 odd years fighting the good fight. And they were such a great resource to go to. Cause uh, you know, they were one of those game stores where like you could go in and they would let you uh, take the shrink wrap off a new game and play it and try it out as long as you were really careful with the components and then they would put it all back together if you weren't interested in buying it but the fact that they were so willing to let you get into the game and try it out um i miss i miss that a lot and uh, i'm just shout out to the game stores that are keeping it going so uh, thank you for them uh, but also thanks to the fans and especially all of you for being so passionate about star trek and being so excited about it and doing this thing that you're doing with um, preservation um i'm just i'm humbled that we get to have such amazing guests on our show like when i think about we've had the casts of uh shield of tomorrow and clear skies and blood of the void and perseverance (laughs) and preservation and pioneer and tempest there's just so many game groups out there just passionate about this game and loving it now you all are here too and it's like oh man this is just amazing and uh like i said it's just really humbling to uh to know that the stuff that we're working on day in and day out and modifius is actually touching and reaching people and you're doing cool shit with it and cool stuff with it excuse me um that's just that's just inspiring man and uh uh so thank you thank you all for being here can't can't thank you enough for that and thanks to all the fans because like if you weren't supporting us for the last seven years and being excited about the game and growing the fan base on your own without modifius really doing anything to help you other than just like you know making more stuff um the the fan base has done such a great job and we would not be doing this if it weren't for you so that, you know, I, I think, and this will sound stupid probably, but like every product I work on is a, is a present and a love letter for all the fans because, because, because I see all the support that you give and I try to put all my love and passion into every product. And I know Michael and all the other freelancers and the artists and the whole team of it, if you just do it too. And uh, I'm just, I'm grateful every day that, uh, that you're seeing that, that effort and that you're loving it and you're, you're reflecting it back on us with all the cool stuff you're doing, like th- this kind of show that you're doing with the uh, preservation. I'm just, I'm super amped that you're sharing that with people and that more people are getting involved because of you. Right. So thank that's you. That's right. And that's why the conversation continues. We, we <laughs> celebrate the fans here and continue conversations and all the creators and the creators slash fans, which I think we all want to be. All right. So until next time, IDIC. Live long and prosper. Be safe. Be well. We'll talk to you all again soon. (laughs) Good night, all.